Hey, I'm Michael, and this is Michael in the Middle. It's an intergenerational relational podcast for people who are interested in better human interaction. I'm glad you're here. Hey, friends. Um, this is episode 11 of Michael in the Middle. Uh, I'm Michael Johnson, and that's Stephen Bargatze. I mean, maybe maybe you would have known that. I tried to I, I tried to do some pre pre-production planning and promotion and all of that. Not that I'm going to be involved in alliteration the entire episode here, but, but you uh, said 11. Episode 11. 11. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we had a deal. I wouldn't come until at least done 10 of these. <laughs> so you have a little feel. So as soon as you get 10, call me back. Well, so here I am. Here, here, here we are trying to stay adjusted with the way the sun is setting. So occasionally I might look a little splotchy on, on the camera. Uh, again, your writer little, said that you had to be in the good light the entire yes. time. So um, you did that. Okay. Oh, that's uh, really Stephen Bargatze has been a friend of mine since uh, 1979, I think it was. That's right. Uh, the first time that we met, and um, you came to uh, Trevecca, um in part because your your Ron Ron is your cousin, right? Ron right. Bargatze, yeah. your dad and his dad were. <laughs> My dad and his dad are brothers. There we go. Yeah. And my dad left at, uh, when it was in Korea and New Orleans. And when he came back, he moved to Louisville, Kentucky, where I was born and kind of raised. And uh, But I would come often and stay with Ronnie and his family. And uh, so I was always close to them. And then I got, I was kind of in a lot of trouble as a teenager and all that stuff. And even had, was living on the streets for a little while. Mm. And Ronnie was the one that came and got me that you're coming down with us and that was his last year at Vanderbilt and then um, he ended up going to Tobacco being the basketball coach there and and really made his mark immediately I mean in one year he changed the trajectory of how people thought about basketball at Tobacco and so the name has been very well known across the years um, at Trevecca, and you made your own mark there. Um, athletics, you know, was one of the things that uh, you were known for there. You were an intramural all-star, I mean, oh, like okay. in every sport, right? You know? <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, I'm beat up. I had, I'm, I'm just recovering from back surgery, and but I had my first surgery at Trevecca, uh playing intramural football. <laughs> I had knee, my knee kind of went out. You know, it was like it was like uh, every week you would see somebody new there showing up, trying to. Uh, Sarah, come come just say, Sarah. just stick your hand over, stick, come here and Sarah, stick you your can't hand. sneak in. You have like, you have yet to make an appearance on Michael in the Middle, but just just lean, lean over she, my shoulder and wave and make make it look pretty. Hi. Shouldn't, shouldn't she have to get in the middle? I think she did. Have to <laughs> yeah, Sarah in the middle. That, that's that's that. Good you know, we're gonna Sarah. work on something there. Wow. I mean, we could just stop right now. Right. I mean, Sarah showed up There's on screen. There's only one way to go. <laughs> yeah. That's a trivia. Who was with Sarah the first time? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. So with uh, your arrival at Trevecca, I remember a little bit about that. Um, and, I, and I've heard your story, and I don't know how much you want to tell of that. But, but one of the things that we've done here on Michael in the Middle is talk about what, what's your story? Where'd you come from? How'd you end up in the middle of what you're doing now? And you've got a fascinating story of what your career has been, and and we want to hear all of that. But um, if if you want to, yeah. just tell a little uh, bit. Of, uh, 
It's great. I mean, I mean, for me to end up at Trevecca was is uh, it's just strictly a God thing. It was he was involved in and all of it from you know what? And, I, and it's a story I don't ever hardly get to tell. But I grew up Roman Catholic, and I wasn't even from a very good Catholic family. But we were forced to go to church, and I went to church and everything. And I had uh, uh, as a Catholic, you don't know, we have to you get confirmed and you get an extra name. Right. And uh, I was a uh, was bitten by a dog when I was young, for, and he tore this part off and took part of my tongue, and that's why I talk funny. I had six and a half years of plastic surgery, the kind that makes you real, real, real hands. <laughs> and it, it was it was well done. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> uh, it looks really good. I I I uh, I, I talk funny and, and, and sure, but uh, but. Uh, you know, most of my face is my butt, but they did a good job. They repaired it. Maybe we they... know some other people like yeah, that. Too, yeah, don't we? don't we all? And, uh, but, but because of that, I was placed in special ed. So I was a special ed student because of my speech, and I stuttered, I stammered when I was really young. And but I can remember uh, when I got confirmed, waiting in line to meet the bishop, and I realized I, you have to come up with this name from the Bible, and. Uh, I had a very weird relationship with my parents, and, and so we didn't talk about it. Yeah. And and nobody prepared me, so I'm in line, and all of a sudden these nuns come down, just checking with everybody, saying you got your name, and I'm I'm panicked. And so I, I'm looking around, and there's statues of Mary and Joseph. So I go, I'll be Joseph. So I I see it. I go, I'm Joseph. And this kid had always picked on me. He laughed and he said, "You just said that because of that statue." And he was 100% right. But I didn't want him to know that. You just saw the name. Yeah, I just went, oh, God. And uh, the nun goes, you know, there's more than one Joseph. Yeah. And uh, I go, well, I was talking about the other one. <laughs> and uh, I had no idea yeah. about the other one at that time. But little did I know that my life would be so much like the other Joseph that I was kind of uh, kicked out from my family. I wasn't part the same with them I never did jail with my mom or, and my dad was an alcoholic and and we just didn't never communicate or talk or do anything and and so uh I, when I finally read about Joseph uh I related to him so much more and then little did I know that God would take me out from that home from Louisville to Nashville and to go through Trevecca and get my life and then use me to go back to my family and and repair some of that stuff that happened a long time ago. So kind of like what what, what might have happened for bad turned out to be everything for good. Mm. And the good thing with me was uh, showing up at Tobacco, uh, not knowing anything about the Nazarenes. Sure. And uh, and this was in 19, my first year in 1980. So show you how bad, I don't know. Because uh, I was sitting there waiting to go talk to the, the lady that's going to get me in the middle get me into classes or whatever. And I'm just kind of doing small talk. And I remember going, you seen any good movies lately? <laughs> and then I found out, oh, okay, we don't do that here. And uh, not yet. Not yet. Yeah, yeah. But I can tell you this. I mean, for all the, I always tell the people, you know, we had to sign a letter, uh, you know, saying that we would act and do all this stuff right and be, uh, you know, and I wasn't Nazarene. And uh, I wasn't Catholic. I was, I was just kind of new in the becoming a Christian. And, all that stuff, but I, I I stayed to that. I didn't go see a movie the whole time oh, I was God. there. I wouldn't do anything that uh, 
I didn't want to disgrace the name of Chewbacca and everything that they did for me. I won't uh, mention any of the names, but I remember going over to Harding Mall one evening with Sarah. And uh, you remember when they had a theater over in Harding Mall? Yeah. Remember yeah, yeah. Mall, way back there. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and I, we were getting ready to walk out. There's a little food court area over there by the theater. And I saw three Chewbacca guys. In there. And I walked up, snuck up behind them. And I just said, Hey guys, I'd like to buy your tickets for tonight. And then, and they they oh, they went oh, and then they turned around and saw who it was. And said, oh no, my clothes! You know, I said, enjoy the movie. It'll be all right. You know, we yeah. I, every every religious tradition has things that you know they kind of have to crawl over to get to the Lord themselves. You know, and I I um, I, I I respect what you said about that because you you took the signing of your name seriously, right. you know, our integrity matters and you've proven that across the course of your career. So, so somewhere along the way you meet, you meet Carol and, and your life changed for the better. Yeah. And, and, and what, what happened? Yeah, my wife, Carol, and I, was, I met her actually in the eighth grade and uh, I teased people. We met with the, do you like me letter? And uh, yes or no, I sent 17 of them out. And she's the only one that returned it. And uh, <laughs> but uh, we went together her almost uh, six, seven months before I even talked to her. I would just like wave at her in school because I, 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 I'm a spitter, and that's, I didn't want to start her spit okay. on her. I, I need to stay in the frame. Yeah, you got to, yeah. That that spot's getting you. It's a poltergeist. <laughs> but uh, uh, we ended up going to the same high school and went to different Catholic schools. But we both went to a, a public uh, uh, high school. And so we went together. All the only girlfriend I ever had, really, and the only kind of person that I was just kind of with. And we got, uh, we got married uh, very young, but in 1976. So it was even four years before I went to Tobacco. So she, she went through all of that with me, just the idea. Because when we got married, I, I was, I had just, probably heard the gospel two or three weeks before we got married but i didn't understand yeah you know i i didn't you know i i, I it's, grace is such a hard thing especially sometimes for a catholic an ex-catholic to believe in you know that god indeed loves me from no matter what i don't have to do this <laughs> or that uh, you know, and I like rules, and that's probably why I didn't go to movies because I like following the rules. Yeah. I wanted somebody to tell me this is what you got to do, and that, but then I realized that God loves me just the way I am. Everything that that took a little while. Chewbacca helped that, and uh, for me to understand, I just I tell you, I can't talk, never say enough bad things about Chewbacca or anything enough good enough. I don't know how to say that, but what I'm trying to say, <laughs> they were great to me. Yeah. Because, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't have the education to be there to even go to college. And and I know they did that partly because of Ronnie. If it wasn't for Ronnie, I might not have ever gotten accepted into Tribeca. And, uh, but they gave me a chance. And the first quarter, you know, I didn't, I took coloring and I don't know what <laughs> But they made me take all these classes that didn't count. I had to pay for them, but they didn't count. And, uh. But you know what? It showed me that I could do it. Yeah. Because I passed them all, and uh, I was just nobody was more shocked than I was, and, and stuff. So that just showed me that I can do it, and I did graduate on time. And it well, was, 
What role do you think confidence plays in ability to be uh, successful? You know, it's and one thousand percent because I didn't hardly have any. Uh, if they were to look up my records, they would have saw that classes I take. I don't think none of them ever did. No one treated me like, that. or they didn't know. I never got treated like you can't do this. And uh, but I, I was also very encouraged to ask for help. And I wasn't afraid to go. I don't understand what, you, what you're telling me and everything like that. So, you know, they always found that somebody that would help me or they would help me or they would do that. And again, that may come from knowing Ronnie. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe nobody I, wanted me to fail. I, but. I would say that what I know about, about the place and the people is that they, by and large, I mean, yeah. I, I, I know some stories where probably some people gave up on students that, that were struggling. And, and, I, and I wish. I wish every story was like yours. I think most stories are like yours. I mean, we, we have some pretty stringent, you know, admission requirements now in some respects. But, man, I believe that everybody deserves a chance to prove that they can do something with a little extra help. And, and, and somebody to come alongside them and say, hey, I believe in you. I think you right. can do this. And so, I, to, to me, what you know, happened as a result of that investment from some people at Trevecca back then paid off incredibly well. And I want to get to your family in a little bit, but how soon did you start working with entertainment combined with motivational speaking and encouragement right. and that sort of thing? Uh, and again, I'm just go back on that other one. It was sure. that, that I, the teachers wanted me to do well. Yeah. And so I wanted to do it for them. <laughs> it was the first time they ever that believed in me. That I mean, I was I went through a wall. Did you want me to do this? I'll do this. Yeah. And I and because I I knew that they cared. Uh, that's that's the only thing you can talk about confidence. I just knew that the teacher, the my professors, the ones I had, they really did care about. Mm. They made me feel like they cared about me, and it was important that I do well in the class. So I I went. Uh, luckily for me, I got a job at uh, the first two years. Uh, I was a night watchman at Wilkerby. Which also came from somebody that Rebecca got me that job, and so it was like from eleven at night till seven in the morning, and just sit there at the door. Yeah. Which at twelve, there's a lot of old people that do local beat. Most of them, everybody's gone to bed. Where like, Where is this? Local beat. It's a big yeah. R O K E B Y. Yeah, I remember that. On, on, uh, still there. On, uh, and Amy Grant's uh, grandmother was there. I remember That's I awesome. Seen her to yeah. come in. But uh, but it gave me plenty of time to study. Sure. And then the weed and do I had nothing else to do to try to stay awake. So that part it was it was God's way of saying, Okay, I'm gonna help you you got all the time in the world to do it. Just try to stay awake tomorrow <laughs> and um, to do all of that. But it but it was uh fantastic. On the motivation speaking and everything that I ended up doing in my life, the first time I ever did anything like that was Joe Bauer. I do remember Joe. But uh, Joe was fantastic and just one of my favorite people in the world. And uh, he encouraged me to, he found out that I was doing some clowning and some things like that with uh, Steve Pennington, yeah. another oh, good old Trebekah name. And Steve got me involved and, and I was doing some magic at that time and was already had that as an interest. And um, so Joe got me to do some stuff at Trebekah doing some of the chapels and things like that. I don't know if you heard, but Steve Pennington is bringing Snowbird back in a couple of markets. I, I, I did. It's yeah. out there I, on I social media, it. at least. Yeah, you know? yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, he's fantastic, and it's, and just uh, been a friend as long as you have, and stuff like that. It's always great to follow. So, so you're doing some of these shows and that sort of thing. 
I, I know that you recently retired from uh, uh, TSSAA, Tennessee Scholastic yeah. Sports and Athletic Association. Nah, right off. Tennessee well, Secondary School. Secondary Athletic, Schools. <laughs> Athletic Association. <laughs> yeah, but again, that came through Ronnie. Ronnie was uh, doing something called the Right Team, uh, which is student services. And uh, so he was getting out of that and going and working in real estate or something. And uh, so they lined Mr. Ryan Carter asked me to come over there. Uh, I was teaching school at Coopertown. Uh, I always tell people I actually went to uh, 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 went to Rebecca to be uh, a pastor or something because I was new as being a Christian. And I thought all new Christians have to be. Okay. To to all, right. all right. So I said, this is what I'm going to do. And I got sent to a doctor, not a, not a professor at Tereka, but off campus to a doctor for uh, something else. And I just remember him asking me what I was studying. And I told him I was wanting to be a pastor. And he said, <laughs> are you sure that uh, at that time, my, my speech was still pretty bad. He said, I don't think God would call someone like you. Oh, my. And uh, he said, uh, and he, he made me go to Bill Wilkinson to speak there, which is another great story, because when I got there, they thought I was deaf. They thought that was my problem. Somebody checked the wrong box. Your, your slurred speech said, made so people he assume. Deaf. So he's yelling at me the whole time. Oh. And I'm going, like, what's going on with this place? <laughs> and I go, ah. But, uh, yeah. it, you know, again, it was my lack of knowledge of the Bible. I didn't understand. Uh, you know, Moses had a speech impediment. Yeah. And um, he wore a veil when he came off the mountain. I think he's a spitter like that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And, uh, I didn't understand all of that. So I kind of thought, oh, God, what am I going to do? I had about half of my thing was in youth ministry and studying to be, to be a pastor. So I just I changed it to education, figured I'd spit on little kids. <laughs> and uh, so I just became a school teacher. And uh, I like math. And so I. Uh, emphasized in math and uh, so i taught school for a while before i went, okay before i went and in the in the meanwhile the whole time i was there the magic entertainment just became more and more and i kept getting more and more offers to do stuff and so that's when i kind of had to make a decision do i want to continue to teach or i don't want to get off and, and yeah now folks you're going to want to stay tuned because this man brought a couple some tricks. magic tricks we're going to we're going to cut those in for you and there will be no trick photography whatsoever. It's, <laughs> Believe it's, me, it's, it's, it's going to be this iPhone. That's that's going to be yeah. the that's going to be the only photography that's occurring with. It. So it will be as if you were here. You you will be utterly amazed. I promise you. Uh, I haven't seen the tricks, but I've seen him before. So I, I'm I'm certain that it's just going to be mesmerizing. So please stay tuned. And while I'm at it, please subscribe to these podcasts. Yes, and get other people to subscribe. because we want people to enjoy yeah. this kind of uh, incredible story so you're teaching school you're working on your magic tricks how, how did the TWSAA think yeah one of the teachers i taught with her husband was the director ron carter yeah and again ronnie bargetti was working with him and, and neither one of them thought of me it was his wife who said that he should talk to steven about doing this and he could and so they they did and uh i i just started off working in some of the summer camps okay and then i would start sharing my story of growing up and being special ed picked on and stuff and then they go oh this is great and then i was i was at that time i only spoke to like sport teams 
and the basketball teams, the football teams, stuff like that. But every time I would do that, the coaches would say, "We want the whole, all the students." Mm-hmm. And so they just so it just it just morphed into where I started doing a larger assemblies, and I would speak to the whole school sometimes three or four in a day. And uh, when I retired, uh, it was a little more like uh, 1.2 million kids that I was in front of just in the state of Tennessee. That's Plus amazing. I did, I did seven other states. And I was going to say you performed a lot of other places too. Yeah. So um, somewhere along in there, me and Carol um, get along pretty well and kids come along. Huh? Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, we already had Nathan, uh, my uh, oldest son, is uh, was already. He was about three, I guess. Uh, what year was he born? No. Don't do that. That's bad. <laughs> 97, I think. But it, gosh, I could be so off. 70. I was there. Uh, 70, not, not, was he born before you came to Toronto? No, no. So it would have been, see, uh, 79. 79. Yeah, I, I'm guessing too. I don't know. I think 79 because he was. Our oldest uh, son. Our oldest son was born in 82, so he'll be 40. Nathan's 42. He's 42. Couple of, 42. So he, yeah, he's so he, he was 79 would sound about yeah. right. Yeah. You're he better. A, hey, you're doing better than you think right. you are. He was a little kid, and he used to come to all the football games. And I remember one time he made it in front. He had the front cover of uh, to record news letter that came out. Because he, he would wear his football equipment. And a little hat and shoulder pads, and he would run up and down when, when we were playing. He'd run, and when we get tackled, he'd fall down every time and get uh, back up. And, I'll and, uh, and, uh, I'll do my that. best for people who are watching on video to drop in some of those in, stunning intramural photographs from uh, you were a Delta. I was a Delta. I remember. I was yeah. Gamma. Yeah. When you came to Trebekah back then, you you walked in. They didn't even ask you if you were a Christian. They just said, <laughs> you know, what society do you want to be a part of? And yet. Alpha, gamma, alpha, beta, gamma, and delta, and that was that was how we did and it. And if you said sports. you didn't know, they go and then they oh, then they would assign you. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I still have a lot of friends from, oh, from yeah, playing yeah. all of that ball and and yeah. uh, I do too. John. I, it I wasn't all in the same year, but I got a I got an all star. I mean, the trophies are like this, but all star trophy for football one year, for basketball, B league, gamma wow. B league, and and uh, and softball. That was. Wow. I was pretty good. I, I you probably you could have played to, baseball. You would have but. got three of those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was in charge of giving them out, and I didn't even get them. <laughs> You'd have thought I'd have got. Well, that's your own fault. I should have gave myself one. But, uh, no, but that was. Uh, so that, Nathan, that was great time. Nathan. Nathan was born. Then. Was born about the same and time. And then Derek was born the year my senior year, so in '84. Yeah. Uh, Nathan tried. I, if I remember a little bit about this story, and it, it's it's fascinating to me because both of your sons have done exceptionally well uh, in their chosen fields, but it's it's proof that there's no template. I mean, my, our three boys are all doing really well in what they chose to do, but they're each kind of doing something different. You know, that's certainly the case for for your boys. Um, yeah. And and yes, people, Nate Bargatze, the one that you see. You know, on Comedy Central and 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 all over all over America, and on Jimmy Fallon. And I guess Jimmy Fallon really likes your, your yeah. son's comedy. Fal- uh, you know, Conan gave Nathan his first shot. Awesome. And uh, because uh, Nathan is a storyteller, he's not a joke teller. Yeah. And uh, his big special is called The Tennessee Kid. If you're not seen him, you, 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 uh, 
uh, watch it because he still owes me some money. I don't know about also <laughs> probably owes you a lot of money, but they uh, <laughs> it'd be nice of you to watch it. But uh, he just finished his third special about two weeks ago from from this date. So hopefully that'll come out in January. But uh, Tennessee kid, you can watch him with your family. You can watch him at church and anything like that. He's great. He, he, it, uh, yeah, my favorite, one of my favorite stories, he says, I always perform as if my parents were in the audience. And then I, w- I wouldn't want to be embarrassed by something that I said on stage. His, his uh, observational humor, I mean, it's, I guess, a little bit like what Seinfeld and some others have done, where you just, you talk about stuff that actually happens. Right. You know, that's, you're not, you're not having to conjure up some kind of story to make something funny and just observe yeah. what's going on. And then, and then you talk about it and, and it actually is, is brilliant. And I, I couldn't be happier for all his Yeah. Success. And I, I mean, he, his point's always like, he wants people to, to come see that seem like he's a guy you'd want to hang out. With. Yeah. And then, I mean, he, he's just a regular guy. And he's, he's married. Yeah, he is Kids. married. Uh, we'll go. I'm gonna go back to Fallon and all that. Oh, yeah, sure. I think Fallon changed uh the course of Nathan's uh, life. Conan, like I said, gave him the first break, and then uh, after that, he did a comedy center special, but uh, nothing really much happened, you know, because of that, other than he would start headlining at comedy clubs. And uh, but back then, it was not, it wasn't like it is now because he couldn't pick his opener, and a lot of times he would open for. People that uh, you know, like Bob Saget and uh, oh, golly, who's the Ralphie May? Oh, and wow. we couldn't even go, but those guys yeah. were. I mean, Bob is a super nice, was a super nice guy, but he was filthy. Yeah. And I, we couldn't, me, my wife, we, we wouldn't stay. Yeah. I mean, he, Nathan had to go. Oh, oh, by the way, Bob, when you go up, two people are going to leave. Those are my parents. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to watch them. And uh, but uh, and Ralphie May, and they were all. Uh, both those guys are now gone, but um, Nathan was, was never that way. He, he always had that feeling that that he wanted that we were there, yeah. even though we know God's there, whether I'm there or not. But he, but the way he presented, I thought it was really good. But Jimmy Fallon just came in one time and and was just happened to be there, and uh, Nathan saw him but didn't talk to him, but he sent him a note and. Uh, Said I'm coming back tomorrow, bringing some friends, and uh, I want to meet you. And so, and everything changed. Uh, he just became known a little bit in town as Fallon's favorite. He was Fallon's new favorite guy, and he's been on the Tonight Show I think up 14 times up That's to amazing. today. Yeah. He has an open policy to go anytime he he calls and says, "Hey, I got something I want to promote." He just now started going. He went from doing the set now he sits on the couch, yeah. and, and I don't know. Why that's such a big deal, but it's supposedly yeah. a big deal. Yeah. And um, but uh, Austin probably started right on the couch. But Nathan had earned earned he's, the couch. He's only done Seth Meyers so far, and oh, I really? think that was the Saturday Night Live connection, obviously. But I mean, there there are those kinds of things. I I, I do know that that um, when Austin's um, name started coming up on Lauren Michaels' radar, it was because people like Seth Meyers and some others who had been on the show um, right. started saying, hey, there's this young man out in L.A. that's doing really good Trump impersonations, just walking around, you know, filming himself. And uh, he's, he's really funny. We've seen some of his other stuff. And it, it takes a little bit of a break like that yeah. for people who've already gotten there to, um, 
you know, and and I remember he called we one time one of them eight and then the dog. They mm-hmm. did with young. Yeah. When they both when Nathan was not nobody, not that he is now, but and I can remember them talking. Yeah. Yeah. Both yeah. ended up in New York. And and uh so Nathan and his wife Laura. Laura. And again, our whole family, my uh I have a daughter, Abigail. Don't want to forget Abigail. Yeah. She's doing great. She's now working for Is now. Abigail the youngest? Yes. That's that's what I was yeah. trying to go in order there. Right. Yeah. But but uh Nathan and Derek both uh had very few Nathan really never really had a really serious girlfriend ever until Laura and he married wow. yeah. the same way as I did. Okay. And same thing with De- Derek. He met his wife at Rebecca. And uh and so and they, so, they Celesta got was Celesta. our she was reputed to be one of the brightest young ladies we'd ever had, you yeah. know, and the, and the sciences there. I think she's even done something uh, with that, you know. Right. Derek and Celeste have been involved in some ministry opportunities and teaching right. and that sort of thing. He added just... a lot of chlorine. Our pool. <laughs> <laughs> she is one of the smartest and the kindest lady. She's just like her parents. Her father was a pastor. Yeah. And, uh, and precious uh, people. Yeah, and they still are, and they yeah. still they live like less than four or five, ten, ten houses down from Derek and them now. That's and, awesome. And it's just awesome. And Abigail's here in town as well. Mm-hmm. She is awesome. Uh, she lives probably 10, 15 houses from where we're. Nathan and her all kind of grew up to spend most of the time in a week. Fantastic. So we're all still there. Nathan's, you know, he moved on. He's out in Brentwood, but everybody else is still really close to where we grew up. Yeah. In Roots, roots matter. You know they they really do. And um, you know I, I think I think one of the things as we get to the age that we are, um, of course we're enamored with our grandkids, and we we can't wait to go play with them and all of that. But there's something really special about watching your kid interact with their kid. I mean it's 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 a different kind of deal. I I love holding my grandchildren, but I love watching my sons and their wives interact with their children and just kind of stand back and oh. watch how that next generation is coming right. along, you know? And, uh, I love to, I love to watch my, my, my sons and daughters, how they get along. You know, Nathan, Between the three of them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. Watch that. I always said, you know, Nathan, I mean, I, I do I dab on comedy, like you said, but, so I've always been entertainment. And so Nathan does what I do just at a much higher level than I ever did. And Derek is works in missions, and he's a school teacher at a Christian school. He has a mission in Uganda. Yeah. His wife Celeste is a midwife, and so I said he's doing what I wanted to do. I am a comedian and stuff, but I always wanted to do missions. So Nathan does what I do better. Derek does what I always wanted to do, <laughs> and then and Abigail is just uh, she has uh, just adopted a little uh, boy with autism. Oh. And it's just, just to see, you know, I would, I that's something I wish I would have had the strength to do, and and I'm just so amazed. Unfortunately, he doesn't like me, but he loves my wife and everybody else but me. Wow. Uh, but gradually, you yeah. know, I think that'll work. He's he's just too young. Sure, he was abandoned on the streets, and uh, oh. so because of that, you know, he has a lot of issues. But he's such a precious little boy. Mm. And uh, so she's working with him, and my wife keeps him a couple of days a week. Her sister does, so they all kind of team up with that. And it's so special. 
Stephen, I would love to know, um, you know, I mean, it, I'm, I'm sitting here kind of processing all of what you're talking about there, the, the tough stuff that you went through as a child. And now you watch what you're, what you, how long you and Carol have been together and how your, your kids have responded to the opportunities that they've been given. But within the realm of the TSSAA and being involved with so many school kids and all of that, what are, what are some things that you observed that that really lifted your spirits? And what, what are some things that maybe society can do better, especially within the schools, to try to make a difference in kids' lives? This seems like a good question you should have sent to me yesterday and said we're going to talk about. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty deep question and stuff. Well, we can, you know, you know, we can always edit this out if you don't like what you no, come no. up with. I'm guessing uh, it's going to be brilliant. No, uh, yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, I I I meet so many kids when when because I I tried to take my life when I was in high school, mm. and at two different times. Once I wasn't very serious. The other time I was, and and definitely it's another God thing. I don't really belong here. I shouldn't be here. I made the wrong choices. I did the stupidest thing the person can do is throw the life away. Mm. But God gave it back to me, and then everything uh, changed. It was not by a chainsaw that I <laughs> It just was an added, wasn't a sound effect that, that he put in. That's that's my neighbor who has <laughs> hot rods over there. and I can see it out there with a chainsaw. Sometimes, <laughs> well, Sometimes he drives them, and sometimes he just starts the engine up and moves them out of the garage. So oh, we'll have to we'll have to keep it. the people updated on on, on that. You know, those. yeah. But uh, you know, I think uh, uh, it almost goes back to the thing that Rebecca, like I said, happened there. They made me believe that they care, and and it's when and when I would, and I didn't always do this, and I didn't always speak on suicide, but I would be asked to do that at the time. And I, it, it almost always, I met kids that were going through it, that had tried it, or I even met one little girl that said, all she needs is a method, and that she had already made the decision to do it. And, and of course, I would always make sure that I didn't leave school without somebody knowing, and they were getting the help that they needed, and, uh, or going to get the help that they needed. But these kids, it's a, they just felt a hope. They didn't feel like that uh, no one really cared. So what I would try to tell them uh, so often is, uh, especially, and this is something, because I get to talk to teachers, and I did, I did teachers in services a lot. Because uh, uh, I remember once uh, when when I was, I did the wrong things. I hung out with the wrong people. I stole an automobile, got a, uh, arrested and uh, had to get out, and I got beat up by my parents really bad. I, I had to have surgery to repair mm -hmm. some of the damage and stuff. But I never went to school and told anybody. You know, I had, had this thing I can't, I can't raise my arm, and uh, but uh, I would always make up an excuse. I wrecked in a bike. I did something. I never told them the truth. And I wanted to teach you don't. And even with kids, you don't know what's going on in everybody's life. Yeah. And you don't know what happens when they go home and shut the doors. And, you know, sometimes some people have it great and some kids have it so rough that, you know, the kids can't even be kids today. Some of them are going home and they're having to raise the little brothers and sisters. So mom and dad ain't home or they got other jobs. And so they're having to take care of these kids and they're just their kids themselves. 
Mm-hmm. And now I have to take care of kids. That's I'm on the phone. They have to do laundry. They have to clean. Uh, they're not involved in school and sports uh, because not because they don't want to try this stuff. It's because uh, they got things they got to do at home. They don't have that cho- same choices. So just be have you know just somehow we can just let everybody know that life is tough. It's so short of a time to four years. And, uh, it's not going to hurt. Nobody should be eating lunch by themselves. No. Nobody's being picked on, and we shouldn't be allowing that. Kind of stuff. No. No. That's that's the little things that I think they can do to change. You're not going to change every kid, but you can change some kids. You know, I had some people do that to me. That's that's amazing, and and it it sounds so simplistic, but it but that's that's what it is. Most of life's most profound answers to the things that that trouble us actually have a fairly simple answer if we'll lean into it, you know, when it, when it comes right down to it, um, you know, and, and I, I, I do think you really hit on something there that, that is true. When you run into somebody's anywhere at any age and they're acting, you know, a fool or, or, or they're, they're being mean or rough or whatever, you don't know what created that. You don't know what they might be going through in that moment. So I, th- I think that's great advice. I, I remember as a kid, not doing my homework, not turning things in and stuff like that. It's because I didn't know how to do it. So uh, I would get so for once you get behind, you knew in math and stuff like that. When I was in grade school, middle school and all that. You get behind, you can't catch up. And so here's my choices. I can turn in a paper and you mark it all wrong. Or I can act tough and go, I'm not going to do it. And I can't make me do it. I didn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. And that's the road I always took. Mm-hmm. Kind of kid, I didn't do it. I don't want to do it. You can't make me do it. I, do it. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the guts to say I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know how to do that until, you know, again, when I went to Tobacco, I was willing, because I knew I was paying for all this. <laughs> like, I need to tell you, I don't get it. Yeah. And I need help. And yeah. I was willing to get it. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. You know, there's a famous trick in magic. I wish I, wish I had prepared. To do it because it takes the thing, but it's called monkey. Monkey and one man. of the most famous uh, tricks in magic to any magician. You say monkey in the middle. We're going to go, oh, that's a big Well, you're right by there. Michael, I think in, in the dictionary would be Michael in the middle. <laughs> and monkey in the middle. So right. <laughs> that's hilarious. And certainly and apropos. Right. Um, but I have a question for you, too, because both of us have sons that's gone on. And what the world thinks is, uh, uh, you know, they're both in entertainment and stuff like that. We think it's pretty special. But we know who they are. And, oh, yeah. And stuff like that, though. And so I, I know there's there's a lot of pride there in uh, all things, everything that Austin's done and success. Yeah. I I mean, I've thought a lot about this, and I maybe even mentioned it a time or two. I'm. I'm I'm actually hoping to coordinate schedules for the three boys. I would love to get them on together yeah. and let them talk and and be the brothers. Like you were talking about how your your children yeah. enjoy being together. Uh, our guys love each other too, and and um, you know they've each chosen different paths vocationally, and they've all been really successful. Right. You know, and, and I, I well, you saw you saw their mother. I mean, oh, yeah, you yeah. saw their mother. I, I the real reason behind all. We talk a lot about Sarah and, and what an amazing person she is. 
she had a big impact on their lives and and all four grandparents did too um, we did uh we I, I helped some movers today move the piano that had been in my mom's living room the different places that they lived since 1984 after her uh, really huge challenge with breast cancer in 1984 my dad bought her this beautiful black baby grand piano and, and it, it was is a big part of our family's life because she that was what she there that was her retreat right. if she couldn't do anything else to kind of get away from certain pressures of life she would go play the piano and uh, so when she passed and my dad moved out of his house we moved that piano here with the understanding that someday that would go to austin and uh, you know they a lot of the stuff has been divvied up between different family members and grandkids, but whatever reason, the decision was that that, that piano would go to to Austin, and he didn't have a place until recently to, to store it. Manhattan apartments are too small. Yeah. They moved to Brooklyn, but it's it's no better in, in terms of space. But this summer, they ended up buying a house over there, not too far from where you guys have lived off of Stewart's Ferry, and and so I'm sure he loves you telling everybody where he lives. Right off Stewart's Ferry, you can't miss it. Well, I mean, there's a lot of streets you can turn <laughs> okay. off of Stewart's Ferry. But uh, no, he's got a, a beautiful little bay window. And, and and that piano was placed over there today. And and uh, my mom's 86th birthday was, was last, was last uh, Wednesday. And watching those kids interact with all of that. The, uh, my point is that, yes, you, you see Nathan, you see James Austin Johnson, you see you see these, you know, they're on TV, their name is prominent on social media, those kinds of things. But they're they're just doing their thing just like their siblings are with their respective That's roles. Right. And right. and when you when you're together, you're just family. You're not you're not famous. No. You know? No. And uh and and I, I I I here's what I've been thinking about that. You asked me the question. Um, you know, maybe just a prompt almost to talk about it. Um it doesn't matter who you're talking about. The most famous people in the world who could not handle fame, I think, struggled because people didn't know how to treat them like just a regular person. Right. With some of the things that we all commonly deal with, and the, the you know the challenges of life and that sort of thing. And I, I, uh, I think it's important to try to keep things as normal as possible, um, and to recognize that there's never a person you're going to come in contact with that god doesn't love just as much as he loves you and 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 so yeah i mean i i'm proud of what he's accomplished but i'm proud of what his brothers and, and have done as well and and their wives are all super cool and our grandkids are amazing it, because we're still just human at, at, at the end of the day you know yeah i i i some, I got very blessed. Nathan, did, they did a video, uh, a little movie. I don't know where it got shown that, but it was uh, a, that. It was a couple of days me on tour with Nathan. So they're, they're filming, making this kind of behind the scenes thing. And 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 I had really no idea that it was being filmed at this time because you know those guys they were around you all the time. You never knew when it was going. But some lady asked me, she said, "You must be very proud of, of your son." And on tape, I go, I'm proud of all my children. Yeah. And uh, and I went out of the die. And that I, I, I was it. I don't even know. We went, but my 
son and daughter saw that. <laughs> and it really got to them both of them. They both said, you know, you don't know how much I met that. Well, why would you not know that? Yeah. But uh, you, you just had to go, well, of course. And I think one of the best things Nathan's done is he's hired a sister. And she will put him straight faster than anybody. <laughs> she, she lets him know, you're Nate Bargatze. I grew up with you. And you used to put the dirty socks in my face and all this stuff. I know you. And so she keeps him where he needs to be. And I think that's a great thing. It's awesome. If you had something that you'd want to say to people who maybe didn't even really know the Bargatze name, even not even familiar even with the fame that, that Nate's achieved, what's, what's one thing that you would want to tell people about, you know, what has made the difference for you and how you ended up in the middle of, of doing a lot of great things. What is, is there, is there any kind of bottom line word of advice or encouragement? You, could yeah, offer? you, uh, you know, for me, it's always say, I, I think this is a really important, and this is stuff I would say that I believe in, uh, you know, one of the best things at Rebecca for me, the thing that came out of Rebecca was chapel. And I think we had to go two times a week, maybe even two, but I went every day. Yeah. I was open every day. Why would you not? Why would I not? Because it, it was always good. The music was great. The worship was great. And that fellowship there has stayed with me my whole life. Uh, you know, I know that I, I, I belong to a church. Uh, and now it's, it's a bigger church than I wanted to ever think I would ever be a member of. But that's a little... There's a little part of it, you know. We have yeah. we have a meeting. Uh, I don't even know what to call it. We used to call them Sunday class, but now they yeah. don't call that. But uh, but I have this group of about 30, 40 people. That that's your church, and, and so I think just get staying connected with people that are believers have the same likes that you do, and then and then also it makes me stay connected to God. I have to read my Bible. I have to study it. I I still want to keep track of what's going on. I know that God didn't didn't bless my whole family just so that we can go around and I, I can drive a new car or I can do something. He blessed us for a reason. Mm. And uh, we need it and we need to look and make sure I, and I'm always having my eyes open to see what, where God's going to do and, you know, and just honor the blessing that he's given us. Now, I want to say this, man, on behalf of a million, 200,000 kids in Tennessee and untold numbers beyond and all of the other people that you've been able to come in contact with over the years, your story has helped make a difference in the stories of so many other people. And I want to thank you for that. And I also want to say that your story very well could make a difference in somebody else's story as well. You know this by now, if you've been watching or listening to any of these podcasts, I believe that God would want us to try to stand in the gap, be a bridge, be kind, be loving, be generous, and get in the middle of doing something good for somebody else because it'll make a huge difference in your life. Thanks for being here.